the month of July, we are going to delve into the book of James. And um, I'm very excited about this and, um, you know, to do a book study a little bit. And uh, the book of James only has five chapters, so it worked out pretty well for us. July has five weeks, so we will finish it in this uh, month. But I want to encourage you to, in the week, after we spoke about a chapter in church, why don't you go read it? And I almost want to say, read it every day, because there's so many things in it. And I know that the Holy Spirit would love to highlight some things for you personally, because it's just impossible for us to touch on everything, you know. We only have a few minutes, and there's so much in this book. Um, and I believe God's going to do some great things through it in our lives. You know, in Christian preaching, there's three types of preachings. I don't know if you know this. <laughs> I didn't. You'll, you'll hear from what I'm going to tell you now that I did not put this in here. And JJ did. <laughs> it's called epostery. Espo- um, let me try that again. Epostery, um, preaching, textual, and topical preaching. And our church predominantly uses topical preaching because it has a strong practical application provided. You know, so we speak about something that has a very strong practical side to it. But then, however, it's super important to, and for spiritual growth is so that we can uh, use expository preaching because it teaches the main points of a book of the Bible and it teaches our members how to do good Bible interpretation. So that is what we're going to do this month, and that is also why in the future we will do some other books of the Bible. You know, because the fact is that the majority of Christians don't really know how to read the Bible. You know, we grew up a certain way where we were never taught, or we were taught that we will not be able to understand the Bible anyways. So we kind of, you know, it just lies next to us, or it's just an app on your phone uh, nowadays. I do have an actual Bible, even though I, lo- I kind of use my app more but uh, we can download the app and just never open it up, you know. And um, so we don't even know how to read it, and then even less so how to extract meaning. So that is why we're going to work through this book, and I believe that is going to help us a whole lot. So let's start off with some just facts about the book of James. It, um, James was a major leader in the Jerusalem church, and um, he was the half-brother of Jesus Christ. That's pretty exciting. <laughs> I wouldn't mind to be the half-sister of Jesus Christ. Um, But he wrote the book of James, and he wrote it about 49 AD, so 49 years after Jesus died. And his audience was the first century Christians scattered all around the world, and also all of us that's reading the Bible now. So it's not a historical narrative detailing specific events or someone's life. It is a classical letter of advice to Christians. So it's a concise how-to guide on how to be a Christian. And we'll see there's so much in this book. And there's a lot of people that say James speaks about how our works contribute to salvation. But if you read the book, you will see that James actually says that our salvation, that the, our works is a fruit of our salvation. And um, that will attract non-believers to faith. So our works is not necessary or doesn't produce salvation, but because of salvation, we have good works. So let's just pray together before we start. Thank you, God, that you are good. And Holy Spirit, we just want to welcome you here. I pray that we will hear your voice so clearly, that we will hear what you want to tell each and every one of us today. Thank you that you are interested in who we are and where we find ourselves. And Lord, I pray that you would meet us there and move us closer to you today. I pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, so book, the book of James, sorry, the chapter, chapter 1 of James 1. Uh, let me try that again. <laughs> Snap, that was, that was ridiculous. So chapter 1 of James, we're going to speak about two parts, trials and tribulation, um, temptation, trials and temptation. Um, so the pressure that we experience from various trials actually producing us growth into Christ-likeness. And through a joyful trust in God, we're able to overcome our trials. So we're going to delve into that that a little bit. So let's start off with reading James 1, verse 1 to 4. It will be up there. It says, James, a servant of God and the Lord Jesus Christ, to the twelve tribes scattered among the nations, greetings and consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. Because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, 
not lacking anything. And I've read that many times in my life, and I'm just like, oh, okay. <laughs> I'm not exactly sure what to do with that. Um, but by delving into this a little bit more, it made so much sense. So firstly, when you read this, you will see that it says, whenever you face trials of many kinds. And that means that we will face trials of many kinds as Christians. And I'm sure we could all testify to that today. If you have ever faced a trial in your life, show me by a raise of hands. Yeah, Our lives isn't trial-free because we started, started to um, serve Jesus. And um, in fact, it might even feel like there's more trials in your life after you decided to serve Christ. You know what? Because all of a sudden you became an enemy of Satan. And um, you know, you're not just there. Now you became an enemy of Satan. And sometimes we do this Christian walk and then we expect it to be trial-free. I don't know if you've ever spoken to somebody. I've spoken to many people and then they say, you know, I've tried being a Christian many times. But then as soon as I decide to make things right with God, things fall apart in my life. Um, and uh, they're very disappointed because they were expecting it to not go that way. They were expecting it to go all, you know, like we always say, sunshine and roses. And then it didn't happen that way. And uh, we can start looking at the life of Jesus and we'll see that he had many trials. Uh, if you look at all the disciples and many other men and women of God in the Bible, we will see that their lives weren't trial-free at all. So my first point about trials is, and I'll explain that, and hopefully it will make sense um, as I explain it, is to recognize what is really going on. And um, I'll, I'll share some thoughts surrounding that. James 1, verse 2 to 3, I'll read it again. Consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. Now, the difference between temptation and trials are that temptation is an attempt by the devil to get you, to cause you to sin. All right, that's a temptation. The devil is trying to get you to say yes to sin. Now, a trial is a circumstance that challenges your faith and your endurance. So a trial is a circumstance that challenges your faith and your endurance. Now, neither a temptation or a trial is sent from God. And we'll read that in a second. But God does use certain trials to test our obedience and readiness for promotion. Let me read that again. But God does use certain trials and tests to test our obedience and readiness for promotion. So there's a difference between a trial and a test, but a trial, so a trial is just normal product of a broken world and people's imperfection. That's what a trial is. Normal things in your life, it's because of a broken world and people's imperfections. But tests are also a form of a trial, but it has a purpose from God. So there's a difference between the two. Does that make sense? If it doesn't, oh, sorry. <laughs> so that's when you know that God has given you an assignment that leads directly to experience a trial. All right, so there's a, or a test rather. A test is never meant to harm us. It's only meant to set us up for growth and promotion. So we have to realize what is actually going on in front of us. There's always more with God. And God is, is always, he always has our future in mind, our growth, and he knows what we need for the future. So he's always growing us. And there's way more in the situation, just what you are seeing. So I want to share you a story with you, um, with what happened to us last year. And um, it will share the point of how to recognize what is really going on in your trial. So a few of you all know that this, uh, this story, but you might not know all the details and all the behind the scenes things. Uh, so when we came to the States, you apply for a visa, right? A worker's visa, we applied for religious worker's visas, and um, we received them back home, and they were valid for about two years, two odd years, two years, four months, something like that. Some interesting timeline like that. So uh, when we came, beginning of 2019, um, 
we, after a year of being in the States, we applied, we started the process of applying for our green cards. So if you don't know, a green card is a more of a permanent visa, if I could explain it like that, where you don't have to apply every second year for a renewed visa, and you can stay in the States for 10 years, and after five years, you can apply for permanent residency. All right, so that's the goal, to get the green card, then the, <laughs> the permanent residency. All right, so we've been here in the States for one year, and we apply. So the green card process works in two steps. First, you apply to apply. I know. <laughs> and then when they say, yes, you can apply, then you apply. <laughs> um, I mean, you know, <laughs> it's kind of like an interview when you go for a job. You know, everybody can apply, and then we'll see who can really apply. <laughs> um, all right, so we applied to apply in February 2020. And we all know what happened in March or April, whenever, I don't know, COVID happened. Um, so it's supposed to take more or less, I can't remember now, even like a year to year back from the embassy if you, your application to apply was approved. So uh, there's nothing you can do, there's no one you can speak to. You send this off and then you just have to wait for them. There's no number to call. <laughs> it's one of those things, uh, you don't call us, we will call you uh, situations. So we applied and then we waited. And um, on the other side, so you have this green card process going and then on the other side, we are still on our workers' visas. And uh, we're trying to, to figure out and make sure we do the right things to be able to be legal in the country. And um, so, you know, we go on with our lives, um, thinking everything is all right. Um, so it comes to the time where we have to decide if we're going to uh, reapply for our workers' visas. And we go onto the website, read all the things of everybody, and you know, you read a book on these things, and we read, and they say, while you have an application in process, you can stay in the States. Okay, so we're like, great. We have an application in process, we do not have to reapply at this moment for our workers' visa. And um, that gave us peace, and we just continued, you know, fine. We, by the next year, 2021, um, what year? Yeah, last year. <laughs> um, February comes along. It's been one year after we applied, and we still haven't heard anything back from our green card application, you know, to apply. But we go into the website, and they say they're very uh, behind, you know, blah, 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 blah. And they're busy with uh, um, applications from the year 2018, and that's because of COVID. And I'm like, you know, COVID only started in 2019. But anyway, um, won't say anything about that. Um, so they move, they give you a, a general timeline, so they moved our timeline um, further, you know, further. And um, we're just going along, you know, doing things that we know God called us to do and so forth, minding our own business. And then one day, um, beginning of September, the lawyer that the church used to get us here randomly sends Laurie, the administrator in Jennings, an uh, email saying, just asking all these questions about us, asking if we, you know, renewed our visas and blah, 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 all these things. And um, she replies with what we've been doing. And he, she puts him in contact with JJ and they speak and he says, you have overstayed your visit. You are not allowed in the States. You have to pack your stuff and leave. And I would suggest leave tomorrow, like leave as soon as possible. And um, at first you're like, uh, wait, just, you know, <laughs> wait. <laughs> uh, so we, you know, we obviously asked him more questions and all the questions, you know, all the many questions that we had. And um, basically what happened is that the systems on the immigration websites don't speak to each other. And you can read about this uh, part and, and it's completely different with this part. So what we read didn't speak to the other side. Basically, miscommunication, and we should have applied for our in, uh, another worker's visa, even while we were waiting for our green cards, even if we had an application in process. So, technically, we were uh, not supposed to be here anymore. And um, um, I can't even begin to tell you what went through our minds. Uh, many things <laughs> um, in that moment. And uh, he said... Uh, we would definitely have to leave, and if you've overstayed your visit, 
you're welcome, <laughs> uh, then you will be banned from applying for a visa for the next three years. Um, and uh, in that moment, we had to make a decision, many decisions, but one of the decisions was to not let fear enter our hearts. Right, so the words came and um, the reality came, right? <laughs> uh, so we found ourselves in the middle of a trial because we know that God has called us to be here. Our intention was never to be here illegally, even though I think it might be a little easier, but you know, um, <laughs> I'm just joking. Uh, I don't know if I am joking, but <laughs> uh, any anyway, let's just put it that side. Uh, so now I lost myself. <laughs> what did I say? Okay, so we knew we were supposed to be here. And uh, we know that we had no intention to bend the rules or to not follow the rules or anything like that. And it was a miscommunication or whatever you want to call it, the fact that this, the site does not speak to each other, all the different processes. And if you're thinking, that doesn't even make sense, I totally agree with you, it makes no sense um, that the systems won't speak to each other and that you can never ask a person a question, an actual person. And uh, so we find ourselves in the middle of this very, very serious situation. And um, we had to decide to not let fear enter our hearts. And uh, we had to, um, in that moment, take all our uh, thoughts captive and uh, not imagine all the worst scenarios that there could be, because there was a lot of worst scenarios. I can promise you that. Um, you know, for us as a church family, for one, and then secondly, for us as a, the ACE family, and, you know, just so many ramifications. And so our trial began in full force. <laughs> um, so we made a few decisions, you know, practical things to change lawyers, to find someone that, that is faithful. We didn't need anybody that doesn't have faith in our lives at that moment. We needed someone that's somewhere that has faith, that also knows what they're doing, and um, that could, you know, take steps of faith with, uh, with us so that we can figure this thing out. Now, even in those small, um, small decisions that we made, there were so many challenges, so many trials. And um, so we decided to change lawyers to someone <laughs> that we didn't know who. Um, so someone gave us a suggestion, then we went there, it took forever to get to reach them and them to call us back. And we send our situation and we have to wait and days go by. You know, on the other side, you already have been told that you have to just pack your stuff and leave. So now you're feeling like, <laughs> you know, I'm still here and um, we're still waiting on someone to help us. So it just takes forever and it feels, a day feels, you know, like that scripture says, like a million years. And <laughs> Like just, it just, everything feels long. And um, finally, we get this, uh, this lady lawyer and she is a Christian. She reads our thing and she says, I'll be able to help you. And I believe that we'll be able to sort this out. And um, she's married to a South African. Just so many things that helped her understand us and exactly what we were trusting God for in this moment. But I remember in this process, okay, so we found this lawyer, so we are super excited and thankful that we found her, but still that was just the first step, <laughs> right? Now we have a lawyer, we still have the whole situation. And, um, but good steps, you know, good progress. And uh, so we, every day we get up at five, me and JJ, to pray together, pray, read Bible, pray for y'all. And um, and this one morning, I'll remember it so clearly. We were sitting there just praying, and all of a sudden, we realized what was really going on. We realized that this is not just a trial, but this trial has a test connected to it. And we had to make sure that we are not failing this test. We just knew that this was no normal trial. That this was a trial with a test. And once we realized that this was a trial with a test, we were determined not to fail at all. <laughs> um, it, it was tra like training for a marathon, you know, constant focus on what you know that God has called us for. 
constantly um, reading the word that we had from God that he has called us here, speaking God's word over the situation and trusting him for a miracle. And um, I'll quickly jump to the end and then I'll come back so that you can all stop stressing. <laughs> so <laughs> that was September and then October and November went by and our application went in and now we had to wait. And then uh, on the 2nd of December, that's JJ's birthday, we got the, I guess, best news of <laughs> the year for us that our application for extended visas was approved and uh, that we were able to stay in the States. So many things could have happened in those few months. Um, and after that email, it was just amazing. Like it was JJ's birthday. It was like God was saying, well done. <laughs> well done, you did not fail this test. We could breathe, you know. But I can tell you our faith muscles grew like exponentially. Uh, there were so many things in that moment, if you read this verse, that we had to choose joy every day. Because the stress wanted to steal all your joy. It wanted to overtake us every minute if you allowed the you know, the situation in front of you, if you allowed, if we allowed it into our hearts, um, you know, it really wanted us to go into a full-blown panic. But, you know, our faith only grows stronger when we are tested. And none of us will ever choose to go through a trial, um, you know, by choice, no. <laughs> um, but without trials, we won't grow. And we grew so much. Um, I'll give you another example, not a story from my life, but just an example of a, of a trial that would, could be connected to a test or that God uses uh, to test your, your faith and your endurance. You know, say you feel God is telling you to go share uh, the gospel with, with someone. And you, you know, get all the courage and you go and you start the conversation and uh, you share the gospel and you ask them if they want to commit their lives to Jesus. But this person takes all the offense there can be. They shun you. They do not walk away in peace. They do not decide to follow Jesus. And afterwards, they start to, um, on Facebook, you know, just, or Instagram, wherever you find yourself, just um, slam you on Facebook or on social media. Then you realize that that trial had a test connected to it because God gave you the assignment and so most probably there is a test in it. And so you have to recognize what is really going on. So we had to recognize what was really going on in front of us. Um, and I, I tell you that made all the world's difference. Secondly is to cooperate with God's growth process. James 1 verse 4 says, Perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. You finding those slides? Ah, nice. <laughs> All right, so if I read this, I can see that there's no shortcuts to this process. It says, it must finish its work. It's work. Now, I mean, we live in a shortcut world, you know. We just want everything just like this. And... Uh, or with Christianity, the same. We're just like, oh, just, just tell me the one or two things to need, I need to do and for it to all work out. Uh, give me the magic pull, you know, the magic wand or whatever it is. But we know it doesn't work that way. <laughs> it doesn't work that way at all. And in every trial, we have a choice to engage the process in the right way and grow. Or we can bail. But in my experience, if we bail, we're probably going to face that same trial again. You know, because God is more interested in our growth. So we're probably going to face that same trial again. Um, because he wants us to conform into the image of Christ. So I'm going to read you a scripture that's not popular at all. Because we don't like reading these trial and <laughs> um, suffering scriptures. <laughs> we only like to read the ones that God has a good plan for us, you know, and all those things. Um, Romans 5, verse 3 to 4, it says, Not only so, but we also rejoice in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance and perseverance character character hope first peter 1 verse 6 to 7 says in this you greatly rejoice though for a little while you may have had to suffer grief and all kinds of trials 
These have come so that you, your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes even through refined by fire, may be proven genuine and may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. We have to remember that God always has our growth in mind and that in the end, when it works out, that he, if we stay the course and if we don't bail, that he will be glorified. At this moment, we can just give God all the glory for our situation because it could have been completely different. We receive favor and grace from on all the sides, whoever had to approve our application. And um, we finally are back from the green cards, if you're wondering. We uh, were approved, <laughs> so now we can apply. <laughs> so it took about two years to get the first step done. <laughs> um, yeah, so we're um, approved to approve. <laughs> apply so we can now uh, we just did apply for our green card process and if you think about us you can pray for us and trust God for favor and um, just for the the whole process to be faster because it takes so long everything just takes so long um, yeah so number three the third point uh, when we're speaking about trials is ask God for help and keep a good attitude let me see if I can put the sound down. Yeah, ask God for help and keep a good attitude. Now this is so in, so true. Probably the most difficult part of the whole thing is the good attitude. <laughs> uh, you know, we can all have a sucky attitude, and we can so easily tell our children, like, change your attitude. <laughs> and uh, I think many times I should stand in the mirror and tell myself, okay, now change your attitude, change that brown upside down. <laughs> you know, I tell <laughs> Joy is like having this grin because it's true. I tell them all the time, <laughs> turn that frown upside down. <laughs> um, so it's the good attitude part and protecting our joy and our faith, you know. Uh, James 1 verse 5 to 7, a little further, it says, If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to him. But when he asks, he must believe and not doubt. Fish. Because you doubt is like a wave of the sea, blown and tossed by the wind. That man should not think he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all he does. I mean, that scripture just went, you know. <laughs> it's uh, um, for sure. So those with a God-word orientation will trust God in the midst of suffering. Right? If you have a God focus, you're focusing on God. But those with a double-minded heart will doubt his goodness. Doubt that he is in it with you. Our response in the fire reveals if we have faith in our hearts that will endure. And uh, this is such an important thing that James is trying to share with us, you know, and we can easily cancel out our faithful prayers in the next second. You know, have you ever prayed and you were faithful and you were so, you know, pumped up for what God's word said and then the next minute you turn around and you are faced with those doubts again and uh, then you just step right back into that fearful, um, doubting mindset that become, then you become like the wave of the sea, just being tossed around, you know, everywhere. And um, that's where many of us find ourselves, you know, being tossed around like the waves of the sea, not standing firm, not um, trusting in God's goodness. You know, and maybe you are suffering or you're going through a, a trial at the moment and God is inviting you to trust in his goodness. You know, one of the most valuable things I've learned in my life is that every challenge is an invitation to intimacy. So every challenge is always an intimate, uh, invitation from God's side to intimacy. And uh, I can't even remember when I learned this, but with our whole situation last year, we could not let the doubts come fill our minds. We could not let the fear fill our minds because then we would have been like the waves of the sea double-minded and those people like the scripture says don't even think that you will receive anything because you in the next minute canceled out all your faithful prayers and you know sometimes we need people to help us we weren't all amazing by ourselves i wish i could say it was just me and jj you know we were just like um 
Just get us in your lives, you'll be fine. <laughs> you know? That's why we need people. We need friends and spiritual family that are faithful, that are strong, that can help us keep our eyes on what Jesus said, keep our eyes on the word of God, keep our eyes on his goodness. And, um, and if you don't have those people in your life, get them. Just get them. And, um, you know, don't be immature like we can be to wait. No one is calling me. No one is getting a word from God for me. I was just the one to reach out, you know. Called this friend. Called, um, you know, we prayed with Josh, Pastor Josh and Lindsay many times. Many times. And we, um, I had my one good friend. We had over and, you know, we just took some time out and we just prayed many times. Every time when I feel okay, I'm going to start becoming like that wave, <laughs> just being tossed around everywhere. Then I just made the call or I just tell JJ, hey, we five o'clock can't come early enough, <laughs> you know, uh, so that we can keep our focus straight. And uh, it's in God's presence when we take those steps to intimacy that we find that joy, that peace, and that we're able to keep your focus straight. So if you find yourself in a trial, let this, remember this, that every challenge is an invitation to intimacy. And my intimacy with God grew to another level during this time of this specific challenge. You know, without spending time with God, it is impossible. And we, that's what we need. And if you're struggling with these things, that's where you have to fix it. It's with your own time with God. There's no shortcut, you know. Verse 12 says, Blessed is the man who perseveres under trial, because when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. Man, that's so beautiful. Now, the crown of life doesn't necessarily speak about, you know, going to heaven one day, because we know we are not saved by works. It's a more likely explanation is, you know, a crown of life, and it speaks about in the sense that crowns are made of gold, and it's I think it speaks about improved circumstances here on earth. And um, we got favor and we received our improved circumstances. Our visas was approved. And, uh, um, and so you, you'll see when you stay faithful, when you stay the course, and when you do not hijack the process, you will see that this comes to pass in your own life too. So now let's move on to the temptation side, <laughs> the side we all love, and I know you're so excited to speak about. <laughs> um, I'll start off with this, that, you know, we love to blame shift. You know, shift the blame, someone else. I remember when I was pregnant with Hope. So Joy, Joy and Hope, <laughs> she's like, no. <laughs> um, Joy and Hope differs like three and a half years almost. And um, so I'm still pregnant. Joy is, you know, just three years old. And uh, I can't exactly remember what Joy did. Uh, she did something. I think she wrote on something, you know, with a Sharpie or whatever. And I got, came to her and I said, Joy, who did this? But, I mean, I only have one child. I'm very sure it wasn't JJ. It wasn't me. So I know it was her, right? And um, she says, huh? it's probably Hope. I was like, good grief. Like, uh, she's not even born yet. <laughs> I'm like, yo, it, maybe it was. <laughs> you know, so we just all love to shift the blame. We, if there's anybody else, we would just, you know, slip into that lane and say, you know, maybe it was hope. And uh, I know it's kind of ridiculous, but we do the same thing. Um, we just do the same thing. And many times in the middle of temptation, we like to shift the blame to God for our struggles. I've heard this so many times. Um, like even, <laughs> even when you're in a trial, I've heard so many times when people say, can't God see that I've had enough? When it, will it be enough? When will he um, stop sending all these hard things my way? And uh, I'm going to read the scripture to you now in a second where we see that God has absolutely nothing to do with these temptations. Scripture shows us that pressure of temptation comes from our own hearts. God does not tempt us, but he will always provide rescue from temptation. 
there'll be temptation for sure. But he's not the one sending it. And he is so gracious that he will always provide a way out. Because of what Christ has accomplished, like Chuck said this morning, on our behalf, we can withstand the onslaught of temptation. So firstly, if you think about temptation, is you have to recognize the source of temptation. James 1.13 says, When tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. This is one of the most important truths that we can remember and learn, you know, that God does not tempt or doesn't use temptation to test us. He does not use temptation to test us. And I think many times we believe that. And number two is we have to understand the process of temptation. James 1 verse 14 says, But each one is tempted when, by his own evil desire, he is dragged away and enticed. Then after desire is conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is full grown, gives birth to death. So we have to remember that temptation is specifically designed to the individual. What tempts you does not tempt me. We're all tempted, right, in different ways. But it's not the same. It's specifically designed by the enemy for you. He knows your weakness. He does. And he will, you know, go for the, what do, what do you say, those things, the, I don't know. He'll just go for the weakest spot. So let's look at that verse a little bit and see how the process of temptation works. So firstly, um, it says when you are tempted, okay, so we'll be tempted. So maybe you can, where you're sitting today, just think of things that you are tempted with. Things of, think about things where you find yourself in that temptation, place of temptation. All right, so I'm going to give you a second to get something in mind. Don't go, it's not the time to go, hey, Mark, you can think of this. <laughs> <laughs> Think of your own. <laughs> All right. So the definition of temptation is the desire to do something, especially something wrong or unwise. Then you move into the fantasy stage, right? You um, have this temptation in mind, and then you start to think about it. You know, all these thoughts come. Ah. Uh, Maybe I should do that. Maybe I should, you know, you kind of start to making plans about how can you do that. And then, you know, kind of debating the situation. Now, sometimes this happens over a period of time. Other times it's like, you know, but it, it goes into your thought process, um, the fantasy part. And then moving towards sin. You make the decision to give into the temptation. You kind of decided, I don't care. I know I'm serving God. I don't care. I'm just going to do this because I want to do this. And then you do the act of sin, all right, whatever it is. And, uh, and then we all know this feeling very well, the feeling of death. <laughs> we might, might not have died um, physically, but we know this feeling um, of death afterwards because the Bible says sin leads to death. And um, sin also causes a separation from God. It's not that God leaves, but sin removes us from God's presence. Like Adam and Eve you know, they were spending time with God every day in the garden. And then after they sinned, God still came. He knew they sinned, but he still came. And what did they do? They hid, right? Because sh um, shame came in because of the sin. And um, even though God was still right there, there was separation. They couldn't walk with him anymore. So that's what sin does. It, it brings that death in our relationship with Christ. And... Um, you feel just yuck. <laughs> you know, you feel like, oh, my soul, I can't believe I did that. Um, and then number three, very important, I guess, number three and number four is how to overcome temptation, right? Let's read James 1, verse 16 and 17. Don't be deceived, my dear brothers. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. 1 Corinthians 10 says, No temptation has seized you except what is common to man. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, He will also provide a way out so that you can stand up under it. Now, this last verse, people use 
in context with trials. And you'll hear right now, people will say, you know what, God does not give you more than you can carry. Have you heard that? This doesn't even speak about no carrying nothing. It's not about trials. And you know how, we t how people, us, let's not just blame them, we do it too. We take scripture, we hear things and we just believe that is scripture. You know, it's okay, honey, you'll be fine because God never gives you more than you can carry. And this is where it comes from and it doesn't say that at all. It says, and God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. So what he's saying is, whatever temptation comes your way, you are stronger than that temptation. You are able to find the way out because then after it says that he will always provide a way out. So we know what we've learned from earlier verses that God does not send the temptation. The temptation comes from our, the desires of our heart, the enemy trying to get us to sin. So that's in front of us. And then, but God is gracious. He always provides a way out. And uh, I think sometimes we just don't know exactly what to do with our situations. So we just kind of, you know, say these things because we're not sure what to say. You'll be all right. Don't worry. You know, God's not going to give you more things than you can carry. Um, there's the way out many times is to realize whose we are and who, um, whose we are and who we are. So realizing that we are children of God, the almighty God, and then realizing that we are his children. And that I'm a new creation in Christ. Realizing who I am. That is many times where the outcomes. To realize that I, I am stronger than this. And I don't need this to be fulfilled. And um, I'd rather choose to run to God than run to this sin. Because this sin will not satisfy in the end. It will only create death and a separation between me and God. Therefore, my fourth point and also final point for um, temptation is to fall in love with Jesus. And if you only hear this today, may this change your, your heart and your life. Um, James 1 verse 18 says, He chose to give birth to us by giving us His true word. And we, out of all creation, became His prized possession. That is God saying that you are my number one. That you are my prized possession. John 14 verse 15 says, If you love me, you will obey what I command. And if you're struggling with doing what God says, it's not by chastising yourself, saying you better shape up. No, it's by fixing the love problem. You know, the key to winning over temptation is not putting in all the boundaries that there is in life. You know, many times we try, you know, by ourselves, to do things better, to do it right. And we say, okay, from now on, I'm not going to do this. and I'm not going to do that. Those things only work if you have them in place. <laughs> and many times we just suck and we don't do, get, put these things in place, you know, for long enough. And then we fail again. But if we fix it in the area of relationship with God and we spend enough time with Him so that our image of ourselves and the realization of who we are changes, then we don't have to have these boundaries in place because then it, the change is from the inside. You know, because otherwise it might feel like works. And you'll say, I've tried this Christian thing and it's so difficult because it's just a bunch of rules. I have to do, do, do this and I can't do that. And you feel tired. And you're just tired. It's just, I mean, it's just, I mean, I, I don't want to do that. <laughs> I've tried that for a long time. And it, there's no life in that. So with temptation, how to solve this is to fall in love with Jesus. And maybe you have been in love with Jesus. Just continue the love relationship you have with Him. Just continue spending time with Him. Because in His presence, He'll show you who you are. He'll show you who He is. And maybe you've never been in love with Jesus. And you're like, Man, that sounds pretty cool, but I have just no clue. It's just like any relationship. You know, how do you fall in love with a guy or a girl? Mainly by spending time. You know, if you spend enough one-on-one -on -one time, the 
chances are you're going to fall in love with that guy. You know, when you watch all these movies and they say, oh, we're just friends. They spend every wake moment together and we all know, yeah, whatever. In the end, you're going to fall in love. <laughs> it's very much the same. The more time you spend with God, not just all of us together, but alone, you will fall in love with Him. And maybe you're sitting here and thinking, yeah, I was in love with God once. And I would love to get back to that. It's only a decision away. You don't have to do all these things to get back. You can just make the decision. Just say, God, I'm coming back. And you know what the amazing thing is? We think that God's going to be all the way back in like far away. But the moment you say, God, I'm coming back, and you turn around, you know what you'll find? You'll stare straight into His face. Because He's... He never left. You know, sometimes I'm just so excited for, for 5 a.m. In, in the mornings because I know that God's already there waiting. Already there waiting for me because He knows that I'm going to come. And I know we can speak to God all day long and you can speak to Him in your car and you can speak to Him while you're doing the dishes because, man, sometimes you need to speak to God while you're doing the dishes for the seventh time today. You know, like, oh, my soul. You know, just need to speak to Him so that you don't break the plate or whatever. But I know we can do all those things, but you need those intimate, special times where it's just you and God. And while we're sitting, why don't you just close your eyes? I want to give you a moment with just you and God. And just want you to open up your heart to, to Him. We've heard so many things today about trials and temptations. And I think the first place that we really have to make, to be serious about is our time with Jesus. We need to fall in love with Him again. So I'm just going to give you a few minutes to have that conversation with God. Whatever it is you have to tell Him, whatever decision it is that you're making today. close and one thing that I do as I, as I spend time with God is I use my imagination you know I believe that God has given us our imaginations for to use and to help us to get into his presence easier and you can always use your imagination when you spend time with God you can imagine God the Father Jesus standing in front of you and you can imagine you yourself standing in front of them and it makes it so real and with every eye closed and if you made that decision today to just fall in love with Jesus again and you made some commitments towards God this morning why don't you just quickly raise your hand so that I can pray for you. You can put it down once you've raised it. It's not to give your life to Jesus. That's not the, uh, the invitation. The invitation is just to, God, I want to fall in love with you. You know, and the Holy Spirit can help us fall in love with God. If you want to just open your arms and reach out to God to heaven as a sign of Lord I'm here I'm surrendering my whole life to you you feel free to do that this morning I'm just gonna pray that the Holy Spirit would stir a love for Jesus for God the Father in our hearts Holy Spirit I pray that you would just come and stir this love 
in our hearts for you, God. Lord, thank you that you are right here, looking down at us, smiling, jumping up and down because we decided to run back to you, decided to make the decisions to just fall in love with you again, God. Lord, I pray that we will make room for you, God, that we will take away other things out of our schedules. Holy Spirit, I pray that you remind us of this decision. Thank you, Lord, that you would stir something on the inside of us. Lord, I pray for every dead area on the inside of us to just leave and that your presence will water it and that it will be, become a luscious garden. Lord, I pray for your presence to be in our houses, in our cars, all around us, God. Maybe, may we be aware of you everywhere we go. And if you find yourself in a, a difficult situation, you find yourself in a trial at this moment, and you are so tired, and you're struggling to keep your focus straight on God, and you're struggling to protect your peace and your joy, I'd love to pray for you. You can raise your hands and we would love to pray with you. Thank you, Lord, that you see every hand and you see every heart. And thank you that we know that you already know exactly where we find ourselves. Lord, I pray for every single person that finds themselves in this difficult situation or trial. Lord Jesus, I pray that you open up their eyes to see what is really going on. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would strengthen them. And today we just come and we lift their, their arms and say that you can do this. Because with God, you can do this. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would strengthen them. That they will be able to fix their eyes on you and on your word. Thank you, God, that you have already won. And when we serve you, we know that we have the victory. And we can be victorious because of what you did on the cross. Thank you, Lord, for speaking to us. And I pray in the week as we spend time with you that we will see visions, that we will dream dreams, that you would give us prophetic words for people, God. I pray that, that we will just fall in love with you again. Because it's through loving you that all these other things falls into place. And it's through loving you, God, that other people will want to serve you. Thank you that you love us and that you say that there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And I pray now for everybody that's sitting here that might feel shame and guilt. I pray that you would know that there is no condemnation for you if you are in Christ Jesus. You are washed clean by the blood of Jesus. And when God the Father looks at you, He looks at you through what Jesus did on the cross. And He sees washed clean, good enough. You measure up because of what He did on the cross for you. We love you, God. I pray that in Jesus' name. Amen.